Well, like Michelle told you at the beginning of the service, today is a, a unique opportunity because we get to get to know one of our global partners. Uh, some friends from Bolivia are here, and it's going to be a joy for me to introduce you to them this morning. And, uh, and the opportunity is just right because today we have what we call a standalone message. We're in between series. Last week we wrapped up therapy. Next week I'm going to kick off a new series that's a series of series going through the book of Acts. And today we have this unique moment of standalone to cover this global partner in great detail and depth. And I'm so excited about that opportunity. I want you to hear about the work that they do in detail. But what I want you to know is this, that Amparo is just one of many global partners that Brazos Point has. I mean, it's a partnership that we share in Bolivia and have shared for a while, and, uh, and that's just one of several in Bolivia. We have other partnerships in Bolivia. We have partnerships in Cambodia and other places in Southeast Asia, in uh, Bulgaria and Eastern Europe, in Kenya. We have partners all across the world and multiple partners in some of those places. And you've had other opportunities, like this past spring, you got to meet Crispo, our friend from Kenya in the 410 Bridge. Uh, we could have, wish we would have, have been able to tell you all about the special needs camp that happened this summer in Bulgaria as we work with some church partners there. And then you've met over time our friends that are in Southeast Asia, Kevin and Lauren Glenn, and you're going to have an opportunity to meet them again. But what I want you to hear more than anything is we want to do this more and more and more. We want to expose you to these partnerships. We want you to hear about them, to learn about them, to love them, because our leadership at Brazos Point has become convinced that it's actually quite unfair that you don't know more about them and you don't know more about what God is doing globally through Brazos Point. We think it's unfair because as the leadership of the church, man, we get to see and to experience and to celebrate these things all the time and see the ways that God is moving, the ways that he's using us, and just to, to see the global work of God. It is so encouraging. It is so fun. And there's so much to celebrate. And we've decided as a team, man, that we're just not doing a good enough job of bringing you into that celebration. It's kind of unfair for us to, to hoard that for ourselves. So we want to do more and more and more of this. We want you to see and to share more and more in the global ministry that God has given us. And so you'll see more of these kind of partner highlight kinds of days in the future, I hope. But as we get into this, I want to be really upfront about some things, specifically as we talk about Amparo and the work that they're doing in Bolivia. Man, I want you to know from the beginning this morning, you're going to hear some hard stuff today. They are engaged in a hard ministry. So you're going to hear some hard things, but you're also going to be invited into those hard things. I want you to know from the beginning, you're going to be invited to partner with them, to, to support them, to care about them, to love the work that they're doing. And I want to be really, really clear from the start about some things, whether it's Amparo today or another global partner another day, some things that I want to do and some things that I don't want to do on these days, okay? So let me start with what I don't want. I don't want you to experience these kinds of days and for you to respond or to be motivated by some sense of obligation or guilt. That is never our desire. In fact, I hope the opposite is true. I hope you never move in a sense of guilt or obligation. But what I want for you to do is to actually, in spite of the fact that you're going to hear hard things today, I want for you to leave this space, this experience, feeling inspired, feeling encouraged, and feeling hopeful because of what you hear that God is doing. And as you feel hopeful and encouraged and inspired. If the Lord encourages you personally to respond, man, we want that to be between you and him and him guiding your next step. So if God leads you today to give or to go, I hope it's not because you've been motivated by some sense of obligation, but rather a sense of, of this. Turn with me in your Bibles to 
Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians 3, this is in the New Testament of the Bible. I would encourage you to just uh, use your table of contents. It'll tell you exactly what page to turn to, and then you'll get there more quickly. If you don't have a Bible, we'll put the words on the screen. I would encourage you to use the BPF app. The scriptures are printed there. And then also, we would love to give you a free copy of the Bible this morning. If you'd like a copy, uh, go by our Welcome Center and grab one on us today. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16 Uh, Very quickly, I want you to see and to hear these things and for this to be the motivating factor that leads us into next steps. It begins, I pray that out of his glorious riches that he, God, may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Man, you're going to hear about that as we get into this series with Acts. That he would strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your heart's through faith. And I pray, I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. I pray that you being established in love and rooted. How many folks are going through rooted right now? Our rooted experience in your small group are here on Thursday nights. Yeah, there are Almost 400 people at Brazos Point going through Rita. I know so many of you have been through your prayer experience this week. Man, I'm so encouraged. I'm so excited about what God is doing in you. Keep going, keep pressing, keep being challenged and stretched. Because we pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to gasp how wide and long and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And guys, not just today, but man, every day, this is my prayer for you, for us, for this fellowship. I pray for this church. I pray that we will be so filled with God's love. Like that that's what Brazos Point would be known for. This place where you can go and experience the love of God because it is such a loving people. I pray that we are filled with the love of God the way that Ephesians 3 describes that we would be strengthened by God's love, that we'd be established in God's love, that we'd be perpetually discovering how wide and long and deep and high the love of God is never-ending journey of exploration into the depths of the gospel and the good news of Jesus and how we are so fully loved in Christ. I pray that we would be continually developing in that love over and over and over, growing more and more and more in love with Jesus. And the more we grow in love with Christ, the more we become like Christ and extend his love and mercy and grace to other people. And I pray that we would be deployed like an army of love that goes out into the community, across our communities, across our state, across our country, and even to the ends of the world, sharing that love here, there, and everywhere. I pray that we would be filled to the fullest, so much so that we would overflow, that we would overflow with love, that the love of God would be poured into us, and that the love of God would be poured out of us. And then building on that, what becomes our prayer is Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine. How good is that? To God who is able to do more than we can even imagine. According to his power that is at work within us. The power of God working within us inside the church. Inside the Christ follower. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. And so then I pray 
that God's love would work in us and through us, that we would be so filled with the love of God, that the love of God would work in us and then through us, that the love would be poured in and the love would be poured out, that the kingdom of God would be poured into our souls and that the kingdom of God would naturally pour out of us, that God would work in us and that God would work through us. And church, he is, he absolutely is. And that's why we want you to know more and more and more of what he's doing. But that's also why I pray that today that God would grow our hearts yet again, that our hearts would become even bigger today and that there would be more room as we learn about Amparo and their work in Bolivia. And I pray that today, motivated by love and inspired by what God shares with you, I pray that all of us would care about what we hear about and the people that we hear about today. And I pray that some of us would give and that some of us would go. And that'll be the pattern, like when you hear these global partnerships, I want you to hear that. This is the hope that everybody would care about all of these things. We can all care, but that some would give and that some would go. That's the hope this morning. And so Brad, at this point, I want you to welcome my friends from Bolivia, Aquiles and Elsa. You guys come on up and join us. Y'all give them a warm Brad, this point, welcome. And even more important, they've got Samuel. Their little guy. He's three months old. Guys, I want you to know, we have known these guys. We've known Aquiles for almost 10 years, and I just met them for the first time this week. I picked them up at Bush this week. I took them to the Waffle House uh, and gave them a, a good taste of all that is good in Texas. And, uh, and y'all, this is Aquiles. Aquiles and Elsa are a, a global power team for ministry, all right? Aquiles is from Bolivia. Uh, Elsa's actually from Ethiopia. They met in South Africa, fell in love, and, uh, and here we are. And here is Samuel. Y'all give, give him a good turn a little bit, Elsa, so they can see this beautiful guy. He's three months old. Isn't he beautiful? Yes. Well, thank y'all so much for being here. We're so glad you're at Brad's Point. Elsa, you're welcome to stay up here with us, or you're welcome to not. Okay. All right. We love you, and we're glad you're here. All right, Achilles, man, welcome to Brazos Point. We are so glad that you're here. All right, man, I want you to tell the church today... Um, all about Amparo. I want them to hear uh, what you do, why you do it, and how you do it. So go for it. Thank you. It, it's a pleasure and a dream for me to be here uh, with, with you guys. I felt like family, like from the first day. I came here on some Wednesday. I was saying, like, hi, 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 hi. To so many people, I felt like, because the first Brazos Point team that I met was back in 2014. So it's already 19, nine years that I'm meeting teams and meeting teams and meeting teams. So thank you so much uh, for what you do, because I know that there is the will of the Lord behind. So when you say that you're a global church, that you have global partners, I'm a witness that it is true. Um, if I have to tell you everything about Amparo, we can be here like four hours. <laughs> I'll try to sum it up. Uh, Amparo is a word in Spanish. It means shelter. It means refuge. It's, it comes from uh, Psalm 91, verse 1, that it says... Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. So that word shelter in, in Spanish would be amparo. But it's not like a material shelter or, or a home. It's more like a, somebody stronger than you is protecting you, is giving you shelter under his or her shade, right? So you're abiding there. And that's key for us because we work with girls that um, are in two situations. One, they're survivors of sexual exploitation, or they're at very high risk of being sexually exploited. So then 
they have been very exposed, very vulnerable, so they, they need this shelter, they need this protection, and they need two things. They need restoration, and they need prevention from ever happening again. So if I would have to describe what we do very simply, I would say that we have two arms, and one of our arms is prevention. We want to prevent this from ever happening again. That's why we work with girls that are at risk of being sexually exploited. And then the other arm is restoration, because we restore girls that are survivors of sexual exploitation. And uh, I, I wish that Amparo wouldn't have to exist, mm -hmm. but we do have to exist. And we work with very, very young girls. We work with girls starting at six years old until they're 18 years old. So that's a very clear description of, of what you do. Um, maybe through story, could you help us to understand a little bit more about the girls that you're serving and, and the prevention side and the restoration side? Sure. Um, I'll tell you a story of a girl that lives in our home. Because in our restoration program, we run girls' home. So we opened our first girl, girls' home back in January of 2018. So about a year ago, in July of last year, I received a call from Childhood Services. And uh, they start telling me about this girl. And I was like, after hearing the story, it's like, okay, can I fact check this? Like, do you have documents? Can we meet with the girl? And I was like, yes, for sure. So they start sending me the documents. So what happened was this girl was born in a small town, 150 miles south of Santa Cruz, some of the Brazos Point people know this town because they were drilling wells in there. It's a small town. This girl was born to, uh, dad was 15, mom was 15. They were heavy drinkers at the time, but then they became alcoholics. So the girl just grew like a little plant. She grew in the community, she grew in the streets. It was like cute, she's like the, the girl from the town and so on, but she was so vulnerable, so unprotected. So sadly, by 2021, when she became a teen, being 11 years old, she was brutally raped in the community. The police caught the guy, he was put into jail, and then you have this girl in the childhood services office with the judge, and they were deciding what they would do with her. And it's a really small town, Bolivia, Bolivian government sadly doesn't have the services to care for them. So they were like, okay, the, the abuser is gone, so then we can place this girl again in her household without any therapy, without any counseling, nothing. Sadly, three weeks later, a really nice friend appears in the picture, an older friend, an older lady, and all of a sudden she starts giving clothes to the girl. Do you have a cell phone? No. Do you want a cell phone? Of course, 11-year-old wants a phone. And she never went to therapy, right? So she's having to deal with a horrible trauma or what she went through by herself and this quote-unquote friend. After three weeks, of knowing this lady, the friend goes like, let's travel together, let's make a trip. It sounded like a good idea. There is no mom, there is no dad. By this time, they're alcoholics completely. So they travel. They travel 300 miles to the north, to another town in the north of Santa Cruz that some Brazos Point people know because they have drilling wells there in Yapacani, which sadly is becoming a hub for cocaine production. And then they start having fun, they're having fun, and after a couple of days, she goes like, we don't have any more money, so we're gonna have to start to work. And the girl is 12, she's 12 years old. And it's like, but don't worry, we'll go to a really nice restaurant and we will be waiters there. We're gonna be serving tables. It turns out that uh, Waffle House is the paradise compared to this restaurant. 
It's a horrible pit that it's quote-unquote restaurant during the day, but then later on becomes a bar and in the night is a full-on brothel. And you have several underage girls there being locked and forced to stay there. So night after night, she's there for four months, almost five months. Thankfully, after five months of living in this hell and being forced to do what you have to do in a brothel by any sort of man that you can imagine, she is able to run away from there by herself. She runs away from there, running from her life. And then she has in the back of her head, like, childhood services, they cannot help me once, maybe they can help me again. So then she goes to the office of childhood services in the town, and then they called us. Like, do you have space for this 12-year-old? And thankfully, we did have space. So now, one year later, um, the, the team that ju just was in Bolivia, we had a team from Barasso's Point in July in Bolivia, nine people went. I'm sure that they cannot know which one is this girl because you cannot match the story where, how, where she is right now. Mm -hmm. Because in the home, uh, we're a gospel center ministry. We're legally established both in Bolivia, here in the States also, but we're a ministry because we are sure, convinced that the only way that there is restoration for these stories is because of the gospel, is thanks to the love of Jesus. For all of us, for all of us, but in these situations, it's more tangible. How can you explain so much darkness without seeing the spiritual world, uh, a fallen world, uh, only because Jesus came, lived a perfect life, he died and he resurrected, and because of him we are adopted into God's family, if we believe. So then we have a lot of hope to give, because as you were mentioning, we can go out of this door like, whoa, this is horrible. This is horrible, there is no hope. And sometimes this is presented as something new, but it is not new. Like we were speaking, this is happening since biblical time. If we go to Sodom and Gomorrah's story, this was the issue, right? Lot was giving his daughters to be raped by men. So it's, it's happening since, like forever, because of sin. So now you have this girl one year later, she's full of hope, full of joy. Of course she has crisis, but then we walk with her through the crisis. She receives 24-7 care. We have counselors. We have discipleship. They all go to church with us. They're part of church because we believe that what was broken by the blood family, thanks to the Lord, can be restored by the faith family mm. because church is just so vital, so, so cr crucial in there. So that's what our restoration program does, right? But then the prevention program, we have mapped this chain of events that we're trying to cut as soon as possible. So um, I'll share a little faster another story of our uh, restoration uh, prevention program, sorry, because in the prevention program, we go to high-risk communities. And there uh, we have right now 47 girls in an ongoing program where we see them from two to three times a week. So we see them all the time. We do family visits, we do school tutorings, and many more things. So last year, we started noticing a change in behavior in one of our eight-year-olders. Sorry, nine-year-olders. He was nine at the time last year. And it's like, okay, so the coordinator comes to me and is like, please pay more attention to that girl. And please get our psychologist and our social worker involved and we have some non-invasive tools we apply, so it's like, draw what's a good day for you, what's a bad day for you, the best time of your day, the, the worst time of your day, and then they come to me with these drawings, and it's like, we strongly believe that she's being sexually abused within her household. 
Like, okay, is there a that? No, there is no that. Uh, is there a step that? Yeah, so number one, uh, sus suspect? Mm -hmm. Yes, suspect number one, okay. Is there a mom? Yes, there is a mom. So we need to speak with the mom because we want to make the relationship stronger, not to divide the relationship. So we go and we speak to the mom and it's like, we strongly believe that she's being sexually abused. This is the evidence. And the mom starts bowling, like she completely breaks. And she starts telling us that she knows who the abuser is. She was also abused. And it turns out to be that the abuser is the great grandfather. Now, in our setting, it takes 25 to 30 years to have a kid, then 25, 30 years to have a grandson, and so on, so on. But in this context, the first kid comes between 13 and 15. So you have 13, 15 year olders having their first kid. So you can be a great grandpa pretty early on. So we start prosecuting the case, taking to authorities. Seven months later, we had nine women, nine women from three generations of that family coming to court to declare how they were sexually abused by these men. So sadly, we couldn't prevent that from happening, but we prevented that from continuing and getting worse to have a case like the first case. So it's been one year that both mom and the girl are receiving therapy, uh, they're receiving this discipleship, so thankfully the situation is improving and the great-grandfather is, is in jail right now. I think those stories, though they are hard, they help us to understand what you're doing in prevention and restoration. Uh, but tell us some of the things that are hopeful. I mean, tell us about the home. Tell us about the ways the, the, that God is working in the lives of the, the girls that you serve. And also, not just that this is how you do it, but man, these are the whys, right? Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. this is why you do the things you do the way that mm -hmm. you do them. For sure. I like to divide the why in two parts. One of them is the problem, because there needs to be a problem. If not, we're wasting our time. So sadly, in Bolivia, one of every three girls is going to be sexually abused before they're 18. 16, days, 16 kids a day are being sexually abused, boys and girls. And we're speaking about a country that is only 12 million people. So 16 kids a day, it's huge percentage. And then 80% of this happens at home, within the circle. So there is a huge problem, a huge need, because most of those girls that are being sexually abused and suffering sexual violence are going to end up being exploited. And then that leads us to the why, like why the reason we do it. So in the beginning, God created, and he created everything, including us, and he created us in his image and likeness, so therefore, we, are, we carry his image, we're image bearers. Wherever we go, we, we, we take his image. So that gives us two things. One, an uncalculable uh, intrinsic value mm -hmm. that we have and that cannot be broken. And the second thing is that as we bear his image and something like this happens, his image is broken and we don't want that to, ha to happen. And for us, as believers, we have a duty. We have a duty to protect the most vulnerable of our context. And in the Bolivian context, these girls are, are by far the most vulnerable. So that's why we do what we do. And uh, so I was telling you that the restoration program has been running since January of 2018. Only 12 girls living there because we want to have a family environment. We have five staff working with these 12 girls. And in uh, last year, we had our first graduate. It was a super eventful year for her. 
She got baptized in March. She turned 18 in April, and she graduated top five of her class in November. Mm. Then we did a celebration for her in November. All of our board members came. Nathan, Nathan came. We had so many people celebrating her. And then uh, the last few years of her being at the home, she had this narrative growing inside of her. And she was like, I would like to study medicine. I was like, oh, okay, that, that's a challenge. But then she started going like, the Lord is calling me to study medicine. So it's like, oh, that's a different ball game. Like, we have to take this seriously. Then it started becoming more and more specific. It's like, uh, why, why do you want to study medicine? Because I want to help children. Wow. Then, why do you want to, to study medicine? Because I want to be a medical missionary to Africa. So it's like, wow, okay, we need to pray about this. And then we have some fundraising dinners, and in September of last year, we were having a dinner with this uh, group of families from Indianapolis. So they were in Indianapolis through Zoom. I was in my apartment with my wife, with a couple of girls from the program, and then it's like, can you share your story? Yes, of course, I can share a little bit of my story, playing some games, having fun, and she starts giving this narrative to everybody. What we had no idea was that on the other side of the call, there was a doctor in Indianapolis. The dinner is over, and he takes the chairman of the board of Amparo. It's like, I don't care what it takes. She's going to study medicine. So fast forward to today, she is studying medicine because this family provided all of what she needed financially for her to study medicine. And that's not it, but he's flying down to meet her in November, and there, the girl cannot believe what is happening because she was abandoned by her family, she was abused by her family, and now the Lord is providing family to care, not only for her every need, but in order to serve, in order to have a purpose way, way bigger than her life itself. And then linked into that and the importance of the family, church family, and with this I'll, I'll, I'll finish, um, nine people from Brussels Point uh, came in July, and they came in, in, a, in a really difficult time for the home. Because as you can imagine, it's very hard. Like their, their lives are very complicated. Mm -hmm. And you have these nine people show up on Monday and they spend the whole Monday with the girls and they, they're having fun, but they're having meaningful conversations also. And every night we have devotionals with them. And the teenager that was struggling the most at the time goes in the night, eh, can I pray? And it's like, and the aunt, the caregiver, is like a bit worried. It's like, you, sure, but can you tell me what you're going to pray? Because she doesn't want to say, hear, hear her say crazy things during prayer. So it's like, sure, sure, sure. It's like, I want to think. I want to think. Because uh, I've been struggling because my family does not care about me. They don't come to visit me. They have abandoned me completely. But the Lord is bringing people from the other side of the world to come visit me as if they were my family. Mm. So that, that's the impact that yeah, Global Partnership has. Well, we are so thankful that you have invited our church family in to help build family uh, for these girls. And so I want to uh, introduce you all to two more folks that are involved. So Nathan and Tori, y'all come up and join us. Uh, y'all give them a warm BPF welcome. Even though they're both BPF folks. So you may recognize Nathan. Nathan's a leader of leaders in our church. He is the global country leader in a volunteer way uh, for Bolivia. He leads in terms of shaping up the BPF mission trips to Bolivia. And then he oversees all of the partnerships that we have in Bolivia. And then Tori was a participant on our most recent trip that went to Bolivia to serve alongside Amparo. Uh, so Nathan, as Aquiles already mentioned, uh, in addition to you know being 
the wife of our student minister, and the wife, the husband, the husband of our student minister. And um, yeah, I'm gonna hear about that for a couple weeks. In addition to being the husband of our student minister, BPF's Bolivia country leader, you actually also serve in a volunteer role on Amparo's board of directors, a US-based board. So tell the church a little bit about what you do and why you do what you do. Sure, so from a Bolivia country leader standpoint, that started in 2008 when I went on my first short-term mission trip with Brazos Point, and we were drilling water wells, and you know, just uh, over the years, have had a chance to go back, and this July was my 11th trip to Bolivia. And so during that time, um, I've gotten to meet different people and ministry partners. And so Achilles and I met, I think we said it was 2014 for the first time. Um, I found out more about Amparo and what Amparo was doing in 2018 uh, during a trip when we got to see the girls' home. And then in 2019, we had a chance to, to welcome some others who were involved with Amparo here to Brazos Point. And during the course of events, they said, you know, Brazos Point has this partnership with Amparo through these mission trips. You send teams, and we would love to have someone from your church on our board of directors um, helping to, you know, just represent and steer where Amparo goes. So in 2019, um, I joined, joined the board. There are five of us across the United States. Um, and so um, in that role, we just meet and we're able to encourage Achilles and also just, you know, hear what he and his, his great team, he's mentioned they've got um, staff, they have nine paid staff members and, you know, a dozen plus volunteers who just do so much just out of love and just um, their way to help out. So um, that's how I've gotten involved and just, um, it was great to go to the celebration and see Ruth graduate last November and, and just see the, the success story that, um, mm. that uh, we hope are many, there are many more of those. And you're a, you're a busy guy with plenty of other things going on in your life. Um, why, why do you do it? And, and what, is, uh, what is it that the Lord does in your life because of your leadership of Amparo? Yeah, so, so Achilles and I have been talking this week too, just, you know, and he's mentioned mutual transformation, right? I mean, when, when I go on a trip, you know, it's, it's vacation time. It's, you know, there's, there's, you know, things that go with that. Um, just to go and, you know, this last trip, I'll speak specifically, just going and, you know, arriving and the girls coming up, saw them on Sunday morning at the church and just coming up and hugging, you know, and just, um, just there is that mutual transformation. It feels like we can make a difference in a short period of time. Achilles has mentioned stories there, but I think you ask any of the nine of us who went on the trip, it changes us as well in that period of time. And just to be able to see what God's doing, um, just to, you know, see that things, things are hard, but God's, God's working to restore. And so that is impactful and is a big part of why I keep on going back. Mm, awesome. And Tori, you went. Tell us a little bit about your trip, your experience, your what, and your why. Yeah, I think um, in order to not talk for another two hours, um, at least, uh, the trip was amazing. It was, um, it was, to kind of echo Nathan a little bit, a little bit of a mutual transformation that I think some of us may have expected. Um, I think some of us had been on mission trips before, um, but this one was special. And I say that as someone also having gotten to, uh, this is also being my first international trip as well. But I think as far as the experience, obviously there's a cultural and even a language barrier aspect of it. I think the other part of this trip that stuck out the most to me was through it. Um, and a lot of what you hear today is a really great example of that. Um, we got to experience God's love, not only in action, but really through just getting to be fully present with all of the groups we got to serve with. And whether that was volunteers that choose to be there and you're getting to see how well they love on these kids and their families, 
um, whether that be through the staff or um, the support that's behind the scenes that may not always you know, be there at every event, um, or specifically like the story through the, um, especially with Ruth, but also with the girl that we had talked about. I remember hearing her testimony after the trip about how we kind of felt like we got to come into a family um, and be a family to her in that, I mean, you're getting to see and experience how that mutual transformation of us getting to spend time with the girls and with the kids and the families is just, it was an amazing experience. I mean, that's, to, to dumb it down, that's uh, kind of what that looked like for us. Hmm. Tori, I said from the beginning that my, my heart's desire, my prayer is that everyone would care, that some would give today and that some would go. For the ones at Brazos Point, your, your fellow BPF family uh, that are interested in going but maybe a little bit on the fence, uh, what would you tell them? I think that's another good question. Um, I think first, just as a follower of Jesus, I think it's important to recognize a lot of um, our responsibilities. Um, quoting Matthew 28, is to go out and to make disciples, right? So I think um, we've also talked about how that may not necessarily mean going across the country and making that difference somewhere else. It could be in your backyard um, or being here. But I think recognizing that's an important aspect of what we're called to do as Christians um, is a really important thing to take into account. But also um, talking about the impact. I mean, we did go on a mission trip anticipating getting to go in and make an impact. But in the same way we went and wanted to go spend time with these girls or maybe do projects, in the same way we were able to be changed through it. I mean, I saw God's love in a way that I'm never gonna be able, I wouldn't be able to replicate that here. So I think being able to recognize that and really listen to God and his calling for your life in that, I think if that's what you're doing and saying yes when that opportunity arises, I think that's what, that's what it's all about. It's powerful. All right, Akilah, so you and I talked earlier in the week about this mutual transformation idea, but I want you to share just a little bit on your side of this partnership, the value of teams coming and, and serving alongside you. For sure. There is a quote that I've been repeating like crazy this trip, that it's like, contrast is the mother of clarity. So because of culture, because of uh, just the color of our, of our skin, we're coming from, we contrast. But in the Lord, that's always for good because it brings more clarity on his love, uh, on his mercy and on all of it. So then I refer back to the story. Like there is so much brokenness because of this family being dysfunctional and the sin within the family. So for these little girls and for a staff to see people coming from the other side of the world, it's like Jesus came literally from another world, let's say, come, came down to serve as uh, uh, Philippians 2 says. But then we are the body of Christ. So for people going the direction that they're going, traveling so many miles. And I know that you guys do fundraisers, you save, you have to make space in your schedule, so it is complicated. But then because of that, there is a huge reward because you're mirroring in a smaller way what Jesus did. Like you are going and you're crossing barriers in order to serve. So I don't think the impact can be measured. Awesome. Well guys, give everyone a hand and thank them for sharing this morning. So I'm curious uh, if the Lord has answered my prayer that everyone would care about this good work that they're doing, right? And I, I want to uh, invite you, as the Lord has expanded our hearts, to include them in our heart to pray. Uh, so let's spend some time together. Nathan and Tori, if you would, just come and, and put hands on uh, Achilles and church, if you would, from right where you're at. Uh, I want to just give some moments of quiet 
for all of us to individually pray over this man, his family, their ministry, his team, and more than anything, these young women that the Lord has entrusted into their care. Let's pray. Father, like Achilles said, contrast brings clarity. And when we see and hear about things that are so evil and dark, it makes it so much clearer how good and great you are. God, it helps us to see and understand the height, depth, width, and length of your love. And God, I thank you that these servants serve out of the overflow of that love. God, that this is a gospel ministry. They're not just doing prevention and restoration, but they're doing it in the name of Jesus Christ. That is their power. That is their why. And God, I pray that you would keep their feet so firm in the foundations of truth that it shapes everything that they are and everything that they do. God, for Achilles and Elsa, for their team. God, for their family in Bolivia that are serving selflessly and sacrificially. God, I pray that you would be their source of strength. God, that you would be their source of power, that you would meet every one of their needs, both financially, but also, God, just emotionally, as they serve day in and day out in this hard and heartbreaking work. God, I pray that you would sow such deep seeds of hope and that you would let them see so much powerful fruit that that continues to sustain all that they do and that that would be their power for work, God. God, that the, the children that are coming to Christ, the children that are being baptized, the lives that are being restored, God, the ways uh, that you are using the family of God globally to do powerful work in their context locally. I pray, God, that that would be what would sustain them as you continue to work in them and through them. And God, our heart's desire is that you would work in us and through us. And we thank you that you are, and we pray for more, Lord. God, we just ask for more in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right, church, y'all give him a hand.